The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. It's over. Ugh. It's over, folks. This season is over. Any chance of a playoff spot? Not even going to happen. P- playoffs? You really think playoffs? 20 games left of this hockey season. And what happens this past weekend? A sweep in Detroit. The third worst team in the NHL. And the Jackets only get two goals. They're outscored 7-2 in the game. Unbelievable. They were outscored. They were outshot. Everything. And now we're on to Tampa. Oh, God. This season's done. It's done. It's done. So the the countdown, the question is, is Torts going to get fired? Who's going to get moved? Is Nick going to stay? You're going to find out tonight here on All Indy Alfred. We've gone from 16 down to 8. By the end of Tuesday, we will have the final four set for Easter weekend. But like I told my parents last night, after the Jackets were swept by Detroit, I'm on to next uh, next thing. And that is, the boys of summer have returned. It's baseball time. We'll talk about the Red Legs, the Tigers, and Cleveland. But again, it's time, if, if, if it's any time for this team to do it, it's time now. It's time to wake up. Plain and simple. It's time to wake up. Chicago Bears. Two, two. It's time for all Andy Alfred. 
And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of All Andy Alford right here on your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network, and that is with the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast Now, Stitcher, however you listen, wherever, whenever, and however you listen, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for giving me your time to listen to me rant tonight. I know it's going to be, this is the one everybody's waiting for. And uh, you're this is going to be a good one tonight. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. So welcome to the program. A lot to get into tonight. Um we are taping the podcast around 7 o'clock, 7.30, right around the time of the Oregon State-Houston game. So we will talk Sweet 16 basketball in the Elite Eight. Uh, and I'll give you a score update as well. But games will be, we'll talk about the Sweet 16. Also, we'll dive in a little bit of baseball, give you a little bit of a taste of our roundtable. Uh, you'll hear my predictions for this upcoming season as well on the program for Major League Baseball. But first and foremost, we're going to get into it right away. And uh, we're going to launch. We're going to launch it. It's time for the Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it is time for the Jackets Report. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? All right, let's start with some positives, first and foremost. Since the last time we were on the air with you, the Jackets did play against Carolina, the final game of the play of the four-game series with Carolina. They did pick up a big win. They did pick up a big point in that game. They didn't win the hockey game. They picked up a point. And, you know, this is this team was decent. I would say decent in this game. You know, they stayed with it most, most of the game. It started off with Zach Wierenski getting his fourth goal of the season. From Kevin Stenland and Seth Jones on a wrist shot at the 7-0-3 mark of the second period. There was no scoring in the first, by the way. It was 1-0. And then Carolina turned on the heat. Paquette his third from Sajak and Lorenz. Tying the game at one apiece. And then Nikas, his seventh of the season from Shmeshikov and Bean. Making it 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. The Jackets then rallied. Tying the game. Cam Atkinson, his 12th of the season on the power play from Line A and Jones, tying it at two, but then not even. Halfway through the third period, less than about four minutes to play the game, uh, Nino Niederreiter, his 14th of the season from Saban and Hamilton, making it 3-2 Carolina, and I thought, oh, geez, this is it. Jackets are not going to win this game. They're not going to pull it out. And then Oliver Bjorkstrand buries it past the goaltender 
at the 1944 mark of the third period, less than a minute to play in the game, tying the game at three, and the Jackets pick up a point. And I said, oh, man, wouldn't it be something if we can get six out of the possible eight points out of this? We've got five. Let's get to six. If we get six, I'd be happy before this Detroit series. Unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. Sebastian Ajo beats Jonas Corposalo. His 14th of the season from Nikas, his 17th in overtime. A minute and 26 into overtime. And the Jackets fall to the Carolina Hurricanes by a score of 4-3. to Shots on goal in the game. The Jackets outshot the Hurricanes in the game 36-33. to In the faceoff dot, it was all Carolina at 54% to 45%. The Jackets 1-3 for three on the power play. Carolina 0-2. Jackets out hitting the Hurricanes in the game 27-18. They also led in the game. They also lost in the game to blocks at 13 to 11. Jackets gave 14 giveaways to Carolina's Ford. We can't have that happen in this game, especially against Carolina. Uh, Nochenkov, the goaltender, getting the third start. Seth Jones, number two star, and Sebastian Ajo with the game winner. He gets the number one star in the game for the Jackets. Like I said, it was Corpus Allo stopping 29 of 33. His save percentage of a point, 879. And it was uh, Nechenkov, 33 of 36. Save percentage of a point, 917. So out of the possible eight points the Jackets could have gotten against Carolina, they get five out of eight. I will take that. If you said that, you know, we were playing Carolina, the best team in the division, and we could get five out of eight, I'd be happy with that. I would be absolutely happy with that. And I was. I was happy with that. And then that, that led into Friday, and I said, you know what, we've got confidence going into Friday night, Friday, Saturday afternoon's game against Detroit. And I said, you know what? We've been good in Detroit. We haven't we lost the third game of the year against Detroit, but we did win the second game of the series. There's a good strong possibility that we could do this. What we got on Saturday afternoon was probably the one of the worst performances I have ever seen in this in the 20-year history of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I have watched this team religiously for 18 of my 20 years of watching this team. I have never seen it this bad. This terrible, this bad, in the first period alone, was this game should have been not even what the score it ended up being, okay? It should be all Detroit. Detroit came out, and Detroit had a lot to play for in their game. The night before, on Thursday night, they went into Nashville, and they lost 7-2 to to Nashville. They had a hard practice Friday. And the Jackets got cocky and paid for it on Saturday. And I admit that. I admit that. But how bad we played. You know, Saturday, I sat at home, watched the game in its entirety. I was supposed to go and hang out with uh, my fiance's friends. We were going to go hang out early. We were going to grill and we were going to enjoy our, you know, Saturday evening. I said... You know what? Let's wait. I want to see what happens with Columbus and Detroit. This game 
made me wanted to cancel my plans, go into a corner, and start crying. Because in the first period alone, the Jackets were outshot 16 to 5. 16 to 5. Okay? In the first period alone, Adam Ernie, a Jacket killer, buries his sixth of the season. From Hironic and DeKaiser, it was one nothing. There's nothing that... And by the way, Corpusala was pulled for the game. He has a lower body injury. He's day-to-day. We don't know how the extent of his injury. But that doesn't give an excuse for that, okay? Defense. The first goal on Ernie, he can't... Elvis could not complain. I won't complain to Elvis about that goal. I will not complain about Elvis. It was a tip-in shot from the point. It just it tipped Ernie and went in past Merce Lincoln's, okay? It's the second goal that was scored not even 30 seconds later. That really, really pissed me off. It pissed me off to the point that I almost flipped the coffee table while I was watching the game. You had four defensemen. In the area. And Fabry gets a snapshot and beats Merslinkins. Four, defense, four defensemen. How does that happen? It's 2 nothing Detroit after 20 minutes. By the way, Fabry's goal, his 10th of the season from Larkin and Sedina. Not even 30 seconds. It was a shell shock for us Jacket fans. Thank God Nick Foligno got on the board. And the man should get paid. He should get paid by Columbus. He should stay in Columbus. Because he deserves to be in Columbus. I'm hearing rumors of Savard and Nash and Foligno. They all three of them are on the chopping block. You keep Nick. You keep Nash. Yeah, get rid of Savard. Savard has been a negative. We have talked about it on this program time and time again. He is not pulling his weight as a jacket player. He's got to go. And Line is another one that's got to go. Keep Roslevic. He is producing. Line is not. One goal in the last 16 games. You have got to be kidding me. That is not going to cut it. Okay? That is not going to cut it as a jacket. Okay? Cam's got to step up to the plate. The, the, thank God for Jones and Warinsky because those two can play right now. Because everybody else is just garbage. I love the fourth line with Mateau and McGinnis. I love that line. They're a grinding line. That's a line that I want on the ice at all times. That is a blue jacket line. A grinding line that will dig in and get points and put pucks on net. That's another thing. I'm going to go I'm 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 on this now, okay? We're 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 diving in full T on this. This team is so pass happy. I, I can't I can't get it. I don't get it. 
Why don't they put the damn puck on the goddamn net? I am sick and tired of it being friendly passing. Pass, pass, pass. And every time they pass, and it showed in the Detroit game on Saturday afternoon, when the Jackets had a power play, they were passing the puck too much, and Larkin took the, takes the puck, almost beats, beats Merce Lincolns, because you're passing it too much. Stop passing the puck. Shoot the goddamn puck on the goddamn net and see what happens. Get the garbage goal. Point it simple. It made it close with the Felino goal. His sixth of the season from Texier, who comes back into the lineup, did okay for his return and Jenner his ninth of the season. But in the third period, it was just... You know that Detroit was gonna go for the go for the jugular, and they did. Anthony Manta beating Merzlinkets four minutes into the third period, and that put it away. The Jackets fall at the slice, three to one. Larkin and Nemeth get the assist. The three stars, Larkin. Big night for him. Got some points on that one. Picard, the goaltender. And by the way, it wasn't. It was. It was Calvin Picard in the net. It wasn't Grice. It was Picard, the backup. We lost to the backup. Again, I say it again. We lost to the backup of Detroit. Fabry, the third star. Jackets outshot in the game. 34-22. In the faceoff dot, Detroit led 52% to 48%. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets did out-hit the Wings 25-15. They outblocked them 16-10, but it doesn't really matter because the shots on goal in the first period, like I mentioned, 16-5 in the, in the game. In the first period. In the second period, the Jackets outshot him 9-8. In the third period, the Wings outshot him 10-8. to 34-22. Okay, so the Jackets had 22 shots in Saturday's game. Detroit had 34. Okay. Keep track of that. Okay? Keep track of that. So now, Saturday's press conference with Tororello was one for the ages. We'll play that here for you in just a little bit because it is... Something that you would want to hear. Because it tells about the demeanor of this man and how he feels about this team. And how he feels about this. And I'm going to say this right now, and it is just going to be plain and simple. I think we're seeing the final 20 games of John Tortorella as head coach of the Blue Jackets. I think he finishes out his de- finishes out this season. And Yarmo says, we're not going to re-sign you. Have a nice life. Because we need a young guy, young leadership. If we're gonna, if we're building to the future, if we're building to the future, which I don't know, I don't know. Then we get to laugh yesterday. If if. If if Saturday was bad, 
Yesterday was the worst. It was the worst because we were on national television. And I say this every time the Jackets play on national television. We get embarrassed. It's absolutely embarrassing. This team... I feel bad for the Buffalo Sabres fans. You know, you you guys have lost 12, 13 in a row. But we get the 6-1-4 rule where we don't get penalties called against us. And by the way, the penalty, penalties on, on Saturday were atrocious. There were so many interference calls and so many holding calls. I felt like I was like holding my breath. If they were going to lift their arms. Oh. And then we get to yesterday. Again, jackets on national television do not work. You never, ever, 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 ever put them on national television. On NBCSN. On the big network. And what happens? They get their ass blown out yet again. They were outscored 7-2 in the two games. That's right. They put up one goal in game two of the series. Detroit puts four up, and Detroit beats Columbus 4-1. to one. And Merzlinkis again. And today, and last night's game, was the worst. Was the worst. Was the absolute worst. It started off with Shnetsikov, his third of the season from Helm and Dudros, one nothing after 20 minutes. And I, you know, I said one nothing. That's fine. Because Jack Roslevic, the Columbus born player, capitalizes on the attempt and beats Picard to get a six of the season for Bjorkstrand and Atkinson on a tip in shot, tightest game at one apiece. And after 40 minutes, we're tied at one. And I said, oh, I, I'll take this. We have tied. We need to put our pedal to the ground. And what happens? Third period. Yet again. Choke it. Ramusen, his first of the season from Fabry and DeKaiser or wrist shot. Beats Merzlinkins, and it's 2-1 Detroit. And then two empty netters from Heronik and Nesterkov. And the final was 4-1. By the way, in the first period alone, the Jackets, you want to guess how many shots they had in the game in the first period? Stick your hand out and count one, two, Three. That's right. Three shots on net in the first period. In the second, take both hands out and count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. In the third, stick two hands out and go one, two, three, four, 
by six. Tie it all together at 17. So the Jackets, if you count Saturday's game where they had 22 shots on net. Last night's game at 17. You have 39 shots on net. Detroit had 29 in the game. They had 63. The Jackets were outshot 63 to 29 in the the span of two games against the third worst team in the NHL. Uh, what what else is there for me to say? I am just frustrated as ever. This is this is absolutely poor, poor play against against a team that we have beaten time after time after time all season. Detroit is in a rebuild. We are in a. We're not even in a rebuild. I know they were embarrassed against Nashville. But they embarrassed us! I am, I am absolutely, I have no word, I am, I am furious at this team. I am heartbroken. I am frustrated. I am angry. I am all of the above. It's veterans having to step up to the plate and play the god darn game. It's stop passing the puck, shoot it on net, and get the garbage goal. That's number two. And number three, fix the damn problem with the point play. Because you go to Jones too much and the team, the opposition, reads it so well. And this is embarrassing. This team is embarrassing. You, the listener, invest time in me to talk about this team. And it's embarrassing for me to talk about them. You, the fan, invest your time, your money to watch these guys on the ice. Watch these guys and live up to make them be your heroes. And for what? For them to do this. To absolutely, pardon my language, but absolutely get shit on by the third worst team in the NHL. A team that is rebuilding. A team that is basically trying to get rid of players at the deadline. And what are you doing? You were outscored seven to two. You were outshot sixty-three to thirty-nine. You were pl- outplayed 
by the third worst team in the NHL! And now, and then Sunday's presser with torts. We're going to play them all here in just a second. Okay? Sunday's presser with torts just put the nail in my coffin for him. And I have to do it. I really have to do it. I love torts. He is one of the best coaches in the NHL. He is one of the, one of the best guys all around guys to to the one of the best hockey insight minds but the way that he is coaching this team right now seems like he has just given up and what that means to me as a fan that means that this season is a give up and now we're going into the we're going into the death tornado that is Tampa it for two Florida for two, and playing Tampa again at home for two, and then playing Chicago for two. You really think we want a guy to set up and build up this team to tell us, hey, you know, we'll get it next time. But when he's arguing with the media and arguing with about the players and their play, that just basically says that the that the bench has given up on him. And if the bench has given up on him, then us fans I'm sorry to say it, we we, we have to give up on him. So I have to say this right now and it, it hurts me as a fan to say it. It really does. But I think it's time to let torts go. Let torts be torts. Now, who will we go out and get? Because it ain't going to be that damn guy that runs the power play because that's atrocious. The penalty kills, the 29th penalty kill in the league. There's 31 teams. The power play is the 25th ranked power play in the NHL. There's 31 teams. Not going to be Brad Larson. It can't be. It can't be. But we'll play. The, we're gonna play the presser for Tortorella, and I just hope that they keep they they need veterans there. You need a Felino. Felino has to stay with this team, and I God, I hope he stays with this team because he deserves to stay with this team. He deserves to stay with this organization. We do not need another Rick Nash situation, where the guy, the one of the best guys on the ice, for us gets traded. Now, bear in mind, we did get some good deals out of that with Dubitsky and, and Artem Anisimov and a few other players. But Nick is a, a, a fan favorite. We can't get rid of him. We honestly can't. And I I, I, I don't know what I would do if Nick... I, I would stay with the Jackets no matter what, but you know, a piece of me would leave. Been, been a fan of this guy forever. He's a blue-collar guy, and that's what this jacket need, team needs is a blue-collar guy because we are not the NA, we are not the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are not the New York Rangers. We are not the uh, L.A. Kings. We are not the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens. We're a small-market team. We are what Carolina is. We are what 
Minnesota is. We are what Nashville is. Expansion teams. Small teams. And when we have leadership like that, we need to keep it. Like Jones, Felino, Nash, keep them. Get rid of Savard. Need those three core guys. I mean, need Atkinson to stay and get better. We need the line A to get rid of himself. Get rid of himself. We keep Roslevic. But I mean, what else is there for me to say? This team is just atrocious right now. I say that now, and then they run off like fifteen in a row to end the season. They win fifteen in a row. And we come back to this rant and say, "Well, Andy, you know, you should just uh, should have hold off on your big rant on the Jackets because you know they won so many games. It needs to be done today. It needs to be called out. So we're gonna play the presser for Tortorella. I feel a little bit better after talking. It, it's it's just the fact that this team looks so good against Carolina, and then there's just basically the shit the bed." Against Detroit. And now you're playing Tampa. Which is basically. Basically what? The number one team in the Central. And then you're playing Florida. Which is the number three team in the Central. It just doesn't get easier. It just really. It it really doesn't. It really really doesn't. We'll play the Torts. Presser. And listen to his demeanor. Saturday and Sunday. You tell me if this is a, a voice of a guy who has given up on this team and basically has given up on this season. John, you mentioned yesterday you're looking for someone to put their hand up, two guys to put their hand, guys to put two hands up to be the leaders. How shocking is that first period to you to get jumped like that? Yeah, it's a mystery. Any indication your team wasn't ready to play this game at all? Can you get a read like that at all? Nope. And better in the second and third period, but still not good enough. I know you're a team that wants to inflict. Did you see anything like that even then? I, I told you before the trip started, you're going to find out a lot uh, about who we are uh, as individuals, as a team, as we as we as we go on this trip. Um, I saw some terrific things out of certain people today. I saw some things that worries me terribly with others. Yeah. And we're not talking X's and O's. We're talking competitive spirit. This is, right, this is an X's. It has nothing to do with X's and O's. Are these veteran players you're talking about? That I'm not I'm, looking for names, but are you talking sports, veteran you know, players I'm, who should be leading? I'm not going to name names. You guys watch the game. You guys write your story. I'm just I, – I, I talked about this prior to the trip. I, it's a, it's going to be a very important trip for this organization – uh, not only now, as far as wh- what type of gumption we have, but also projecting what your team is going to be in the future. So, um, yeah. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Brian Hedrick. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, we, when we were talking with uh, you know Nick just a few minutes ago, he was saying that you know you guys didn't have to talk about a potential letdown in here, or you shouldn't have had to, because you're professionals, uh, that kind of thing. And that was maybe where the the biggest sense of disappointment in this one comes from. 
I mean, is that exactly how you you feel as well? I mean, if you're a professional, you should come into this game ready, no matter you know what the circumstances are. Why? Why wouldn't we? I mean, yeah. we're a 500 hockey club. Why would we even? Why does that even come into our thinking? I didn't mention one word about it because we have no right to even think that way. So, yeah. Okay. Thanks, John. John, you uh, obviously have said the last two or three days that you know, we're going to find out a lot about this team on this trip. What are you learning about this team thus far on this trip? Hedge, where do you want me to go with that? I mean, we played awful. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and and criticize our group. We, we didn't play well. And so... I don't know why you asked me the question. Like I said last night, you, you guys can write your stuff. I'm not going to be part of your story. I'm not going to do the team any good by going up and down as far as what went wrong. A ton went wrong. I'll give it. I'll give it to you that. But I'm not going to. So there's no sense to ask me those type of questions. Yeah. This team uh, looked so encouraging for four game. Well, three of the four games against Carolina, and then just to kind of come here and play like this. I mean, I guess just. I mean, we're all shocked. Are, are you shocked? Would Would that be an accurate way to describe how you feel about this right now? No, I'm just going to start getting ready for Tampa. Okay. Thanks, John. Okay. Next, we'll go to Aaron Portsline. Go ahead, Aaron. Thanks, Ben. John, I think there was an expectation that this would be sort of a response game from you guys. Did was there tentativeness there, like you talked about early in the season? Have you, rather than anger, did it did it appear that you guys were tentative today early, rather than looking to respond to to Saturday's game? Well, I think I think we played harder today, but we couldn't make a play. Yeah. And how, as a coach who knows what's in some in, inside some of those guys, talent wise, how frustrating is it to see these guys who you've seen play better individually as a team, et cetera, just not be able to get it together, just not be able to perform? Is that the most frustrating thing as a coach? Well, yeah, we, we're trying to win hockey games. Uh, you want your guys playing at their best, and. Um, We didn't make a play. We didn't make a play. It, it was a, it was a struggle for the past six periods. All right, we'll go to uh, Mark Scheig. Thanks, thanks, Glenn. Yep, John. Um, just the goalie interference call. Is what did you see there, and did you get any? Sort oh, of for God's sakes! Who cares about that? My God! Just got the kicked out of us, and you aren't talking about a goaltender interference. Come on, Mark. I'm not trying to disrespect you. I don't care about that. Well, I asked because it was at a 1-1 game where you know if it failed, it was obviously a big moment in the game for you. Yeah. Just yeah. Um, is, is that a I challenge it. We didn't get the challenge. Thank you, John. Yeah. So you just heard the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Tortorella, from Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday... He was a defensive person going after the media. And that's the torts that I know from the Rangers, from the Canucks, 
a little bit late into the Tampa years, and it's finally come ahead. And let me tell you this. Let me tell you this right now, okay? You don't piss him off in the media. You, you just don't. You absolutely don't piss him off. And just to have that guy piss him off the most about a goaltender interference call, when it was clear as day that it wasn't goaltender interference, and just to, just to piss him off, that just says a lot, and you can tell. You could tell also that he was not in a really good mood, and and, and he pulled a Belichick there, or we're on to Tampa. You've got to look at this, John. You have to look at this and say, we have to be better. If I was him, and this is me, okay, I would have pulled a Herb Brooks. And I would have had that team on the ice doing laps. Line to lines. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Until they were... How many shots they had? 29. I would have them do at least 29 times. From line to line. Or at least 20 laps. This is just, as a Jacket fan, to hear him and how he's talking, it just kills me. It honestly kills me because that tells me that he's given up on this team, which means that we should give up on this team and we should be focusing on other things. And the Reds are starting. The Tigers are starting. The, Indi- the Cleveland baseball team is starting. So... Maybe we should go into baseball. I mean, the NCAA tournament's going on. We could we could watch that. The crew's beginning their their defense of the MLS Cup. We could watch that. Hell, spring football with Ohio State is starting up. We can watch that. And put the jackets down the into the third pegs. And maybe you and I, the 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 connoisseur of hockey could get an opportunity to go watch the Jackets. Because God knowing that those tickets that you've been purchasing and the season ticket holders will be selling their season tickets on SeatGeek or on, or on uh, any of the fans' resale sites because of how bad this team is performing. We go into the death tornado of this schedule this week with two games against Tampa tomorrow night and Thursday. Then Saturday and Sunday of Easter, we're in Florida. We return home on that Tuesday and Thursday to play Tampa. And we finish out the homestand against Chicago and for two straight. Before we go back into the death spiral again with two against Dallas, two against Florida, two against Tampa, and then we have Detroit. I said at the beginning of this season to before we came on we, we joined you here on the program. This is where the Jackets needed those points in January and February to capitalize to win those meaningful games because they knew that their schedule was going to be hard and heavy at the back end of the schedule and look what has happened. 
We are in terrible shape right now. Looking at the standings going into today's place. The, cent the Discover card Central Division looks like this. Tampa is in first spot at 24-8-2 at 50 points. They have played 34 games this year. In second is the Carolina Hurricanes at 33 games played. They're 23-7-3 with 49 points. Third spot are the Florida Panthers at 35 games played. They're 22-9-4 with 48 points. Nashville playing 36 games. They're holding the fourth spot now at 18-17-1 with 37 points. Fifth spot are the Chicago Blackhawks. At 36 games played, they are 16-15-5 with 37 points. Our Jackets have played 36 games this year. They are 13-15-8 with 34 points. Dallas has played Four less games than the Jackets. 32 games. They're 11, 12, and 9 with 31 points. So they have four games at hand. Detroit is 36 games played. They're 12, 20, and 4 with 28 points. So where does this lead? I'll tell you where it leads. That the Jackets aren't going to make the playoffs. With Games at hand for Dallas, games at hand for Carolina, games at hand for those two teams, games at hand, there, there's just no way. There's no way for the Jackets to make it. So I'm, I'm going to write them off right now. Jackets aren't going to make the playoffs. So enjoy these games, Jacket fans, because we weren't supposed to get a season this year because of COVID. But we are, we are getting an opportunity to see this team play on the ice, so getting a chance to go into Nationwide and getting a chance to go have a $15 beer and some nachos and fries. Going into the Blue Line shop and wearing our, our jersey and everything like that because, you know, this will be the first year that we won't make the playoffs. It will be official. We're not going to make the playoffs. I'm just telling you this right now, and I, 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 I hate to tell you that. But this will be the first year that we're not going to make the playoffs in like the last five years. And hopefully we get back into it next year when we get new leadership and may, possibly new leadership and possibly some better players to help us out with the veterans that we have. But I'm just, I'm just telling you like it is, if you still have any hope that this team is going to make the playoffs, you better ask Jesus... Easter for a miracle because it, if it happens, it happens. But we shall see. And that's my jacket rant. I was due for one this year, and it was it needed to be done. You're listening to all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Let's dive into the rest of the NHL schedule and standings as well. So looking at the rest of the NHL, uh, Scotiabank North Division, Toronto's running away right now at the top spot. With 34 games played, they're 22-10-2 with 46 points. Winnipeg, 35 games played, they're 21-12-2 with 44 points. Edmonton has played 35 games, they're 21-13-1 with 43 points. 
Montreal is holding the fourth spot at 31 games played. They're 14, 8, and 9 with 37 points. Outside looking in, sees Calgary at 36 game play. They're 16, 17, and 3 with 35 points. Vancouver's played 37 games. They're 16, 18, and 3 with 35 points. And Ottawa is the is in seventh at 36, 12, 36 games played. They're 12, 20, and 4 with 28 points. In the Honda West Division, it is the Vegas Golden Knights at the top spot. At 32 games played, they're 23-8-1 with 47 points. Colorado, 33 games played. They're 21-8-4 with 46 points. Minnesota is at 32 games played. They're 21-10-1 with 43 points. St. Louis, 35 games played. They're 16-13-6 with 38 points. Outside looking in, how about the Arizona Coyotes? At 35 games played, they're 16, 14, and 5 with 37 points. You can't count out the Coyotes. They're really good this year. All three California teams are in the bottom half, led by the LA Kings at 13, 13, and 6 with 32 points. They're at 500 with 32 games played. San Jose is at 13, 16, and 4 with 30 points. They've played 33 games played so far this year. Anaheim is in dead last at 36 games played. They're 11, 19, and 6 with 28 points. And then the East, the Mass Mutual Eastern Division sees the Washington Capitals at 23-7-4 with 50 points, 34 games played. The Islanders are now in second spot at 35 games played at 22-9-4 with 48 points. Pittsburgh, 35 games played. They're 22-11-2 with 46 points. Boston, with 31 games played, they're 17-9-5 with 39 points. On the outside looking are the Flyers at 16-13-4 with 36 points, 33 games played. The Rangers are 34 games played at 15, 15, and 4 with 34 points. They're at 500. The Devils, 33 games played, 13, 16, and 4 with 30 points. And then the worst team in the NHL are the, as Jack Underwood says, the Buffalo Sabres at 33 games played. They are 6, 23, and 4 with 16 points this season. Looking some news and notes around the NHL for you as well. Uh, Aaron Ekblad is going to be out 12 weeks after surgery on a left leg fracture. He had that happen to him last night in Dallas. Going awkwardly into the boards. He is basically done for the season for the, for the, uh, for the Panthers. Since, since that's happening. Um. It looks like it's going to be also another injury news to pass along to you guys as well. Uh, excuse me, it's uh, David Farrance signs a two-year entry-level contract with the Predators. He was from Wisconsin. And how about that Wisconsin? That about Wisconsin getting beat by Bemidji State in in the NCAA tournament? An absolute upset, right there. Wolf Caulfield is signing a contract with the Canadians after Wisconsin season's done. He signs a three-year entry-level deal with the Montreal Canadiens. We hope to see him in the lineup uh, within the next three to four weeks. Uh, Brad Lemieux has been traded to the LA Kings by the Rangers for a fourth-round draft pick. You also have one other news and note uh, to pass along. Uh, no, that's it. That's really that's all the news and notes around the NHL for you guys tonight. Uh, games in action tonight. Uh, 
tonight you have the Flyers are in Buffalo and the we're listening to the game right seeing the game right now seeing the score and right now the Sabres are up three to nothing on the Flyers so maybe the streak will end for the Sabres tonight they'll get their first win in like 15 games uh, the Maple Leafs are in home at home to take on the Oilers they're up two to one right now in the second period it's the Islanders Losing to the Penguins right now, 2-1. to one. Late games are as follows. Anaheim is in Colorado to play the Avalanche. And Minnesota is in San Jose to play the Sharks. You also have L.A. taking on Vegas at 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, you have Winnipeg in Calgary to battle the Flames. Tomorrow night, like I mentioned before, the Jackets will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. 7 o'clock puck drop. Other games, Carolina is at Chicago. Edmonton is in Montreal. New Jersey is in Boston. Washington is in New York. Detroit is in Florida, the Battle of the Panthers. And Dallas is in Nashville, the Battle of the Preds. And uh, you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. And that is whether on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleacher, uh, Bleaker, excuse me, not Bleacher, Bleaker, However you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into the Sweet 16 in the NCAA Tournament. Got to get some positives out of this show, and that is a positive for me. It's time to break down those brackets. It's time to cut down the nets. And it's time for March Madness, baby! Oh, baby! We have gone from 64 to 32, and now we're in the Sweet 16! As this is the recap of the Sweet 16 right here on the All Andy Alford Network. As we will be breaking down the games, getting to you to the Elite Eight that starts tonight right here on the All Andy Alford Network. And we will start with the Sweet 16 first and foremost. As we will start in the West Bracket. As it was the number one overall seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs took on the fifth ranked Creighton Blue Jays. In a hard-fought game, the Bulldogs getting the big 83-65 win. In the nightcap game, it was 6th-ranked USC taking on 7th-ranked Oregon. Two Pac-10 teams battling it out. And the Trojans have defluttered the Oregon Ducks by a score of 82-68, which sets up the Elite Eight tomorrow night as number one-ranked Gonzaga takes on 6th ranked USC in a matchup that will see them going to the Final Four. And then in the East Bracket, 4th ranked Florida State and the Seminoles marched in to take on the number one overall seed in Michigan Wolverines. The Wolverines dominated the game, blowing out the Florida State Seminoles 76 to. 58. And then the game of the day. The game of this tournament. UCLA, the play-in team, beating Michigan State in their playing game. 
Avs run the table. Beating. Abilene Christian. Beating. BYU. They took on the number two team in the tournament. And a lot of people had them. The Alabama Crimson Tide. This game, honestly, folks, was probably one of the best games of the NCAA tournament. Back and forth action. And Alabama hits a clutch shot with two-tenths of a second in the in the regular in regulation to force overtime. And UCLA turned up the heat in overtime and beats the Alabama Crimson Tide, knocking out a number two seed in the NCAA tournament by a score of 88-78 to 78 in overtime. Now we get to the South Bracket and tonight's games. The number one ranked Baylor Bears took on the fifth ranked Villanova. And it was all Baylor in the game, beating them by 11 as the Bears roll through Villanova 62-51. And then the one of the games also of this weekend... Besides UCLA and Alabama, third-ranked Arkansas took on 15th-ranked and Cinderella herself, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts trying their best to keep their way, but Devontae Smith hits a short jumper with 2.9 seconds left to go in the game to give Arkansas the 72-70 win. Cinderella, her dreams ended at midnight and it did for or for Oral Roberts as the Razorbacks beat them 72 to 70, which sets up tonight's late game at 9:57 as the number one ranked Baylor Bears take on the third ranked Arkansas Razorbacks, and then we go to the Midwest bracket. Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago. Looking for a miracle in Indianapolis. Could not capitalize against the Oregon State Beavers. The Pac-10 Tournament Champions rolled through and beat Sister Jean and the Loyola Chicago Huskies 65-58. to And then Buddy Bayheim and Jim Bayheim of the Syracuse Orange took on the second-ranked Houston Cougars. And it was all Cougars in this one as they beat the Orange 62-46, to ending the father-son dream of lifting the trophy at Lucas Oil Stadium, which sets up the game that's happening as we are taping this podcast right now. Oregon State and Houston. 13.58 to go in the second half. It is all Cougars as they're up 42-29 to in this NCAA tournament. 13.25 to go in the second half. So like I said, the lead eight sets up as this, folks. As right now, it is Houston up 45-29 to on Oregon State. The nightcap sees number one ranked Baylor taking on number three Arkansas. The winner of both games will play in the Final Four against one each against one another this upcoming Saturday. Tomorrow's slate looks like this. 
Number one, Gonzaga takes that number six, USC, 7-15, tip-off on CBS, the nightcap. A game that is in a lot of people's memories. Number one, Michigan takes on number 11, UCLA, 9-57, tip-off for that one. Tomorrow night on CBS, which sets up the Final Four, which will be Saturday afternoon and evening. It's the first game tipping off at 5 o'clock between Baylor, uh, between Baylor or Arkansas and Oregon State and Houston. And then the nightcap, 8.30, between UCLA and Mich the winner of UCLA and Michigan and the winner of the winner of Gonzaga and USC, which sets up the championship game on Monday, 9 o'clock tip-off for that one. Uh, looking at the bracket challenge really quickly right here on all Andy Alfred. Uh, right now, still in the lead is uh, Lucas at 560. The max points he can get is 720. Right now is yours truly at 520 points. The max I can get is 1240. And it looks like Willis is at 500. He's at third place with 1140 being the max that he can get. So we're headed down the home stretch of the NCAA tournament. It's a good one, folks. It is a really good one. So hold on. Because it is going to be a dandy of one as Houston, Oregon State, Houston, Oregon State, as well as Baylor, Arkansas, Michigan, UCLA, and Gonzaga and USC all go for the final Elite Eight down to the Final Four. We're going to continue the NCAA tournament. Look around. With the Sweet 16 of the NCAA Women's Tournament. Yes, we're going to talk a little women's basketball as all their games are being taken place in San Antonio, Texas. And we will get to the Sweet 16 first and foremost. It was number one ranked Stanford taking on fifth ranked Missouri State. And Stanford beating up on Missouri State 89-62. In the other half of the bracket, it was sixth ranked Oregon taking on number two ranked Louisville and Louisville beats them 60 to 42. As that will set up the Elite Eight matchup, as number one Stanford takes on number two Louisville to go to the Final Four. In the Hensfire, in Hensfire region of the bracket, number one South Carolina, with the Toledo connection, of course, beating up on fifth seeded Georgia Tech 76 to 65. It was an upset as number two Maryland falls to number six Texas, 64 to 61, which sets up the Elite Eight for South Carolina taking on Texas in the NCAA Women's Tournament. In the River Rock bracket, it was number one ranked UConn, 92 72 win over fifth ranked Iowa. Michigan falls to number two Baylor, 78 75 which sets up the Elite Eight matchup as number one, UConn, and number two, Baylor. And then it's the Morocco Divi uh, Mercado division of the bracket. Number one, USC, 
NC State, number one seed, falls to number four, Indiana, 73-70. to And then in the other half of the bracket, number three, Arizona took on number two, Texas A&M, and the Wildcats get the win, 74-59. So it sets up the Elite Eight to follow as this. It is UConn taking on Baylor in the Riverwalk Division. In the Murano Division, it is Indiana taking on Arizona. In the Hensphere Division, it is South Carolina, number one seeded South Carolina, taking on number six seed Texas. And then the Al Alamo Division is number one Stanford, taking on number two Louisville. So the women's going down from the Elite Eight to the Final Four, they'll play their games on, if I'm not mistaken, on on Friday, they'll play Friday, and I believe the game championship game is, yes, on the 4th. So that would make it Sunday for that one. So looking forward to the NCAA tournament and seeing who will lift the trophy in San Antonio in the NCAA Women's Tournament. And that is the NCAA March Madness Breakdown right here on All Andy Alfred. As you're listening to All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network, we're going to continue the show with baseball talk. It is opening week, and opening day is Thursday in Major League Baseball. Let's hit the diamond right here. Ah, yes. The boys of summer have returned. Yes, that is talking softball from the Simpsons in the background. Let's all sing them together since it's opening week of baseball. We're talking softball from Maine to San Diego. Talking softball Mattingling and Canseco. Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Saxon is running with the law. We're talking Homer. Ozzy and the Straw. Yep. Talking softball. Talking softball. Manningly and Canseco. Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Saxon is running with the law. We're talking Homer. Ozzy and the Straw. Oh, yes, it's baseball time here on All Andy Alford. Tomorrow, Tuesday, yours truly will be sitting down with Lucas Sigerson, who is a baseball 
analysts, and we're going to break down the baseball season. We're going to predict what's going to happen, and uh, we're going to record it, and of course, and we'll have it live, unedited, for you guys tomorrow night, right here on the All Andy Alford Network. Looking forward to it with Lucas. We're going to give you a little taste of what my predictions are going to be for this season because a lot of you won't, won't listen to that one because that's a baseball-driven show. Um, but the predictions are looking pretty good for yours truly. What I'll do is after the end of the Tuesday taping, we'll go and uh, I'll put it in an envelope, hide it until the end of the baseball season, and revisit it at the end of the season. So I'm looking forward to hopefully... Maybe it being correct. So we'll see what happens with that. So uh, we'll kill the audio, of course, for you guys here in the background. But uh, uh, Major League news and notes, of course, we're on the final two days of the of spring training in both the Cactus League as well as in the Grapefruit League. As today the Tigers took on the New York Yankees. And they got a big 5-2 to two win over the Yankees. Uh, as they will now play Tampa Bay on Tuesday. A 12-35 first pitch tomorrow. And then that will be it for spring training. They will head to Detroit to open up opening day on Thursday at 1-10 at Comerica Park against the Cleveland baseball team or the Cleveland Indians. That's what they're going to be called this year, of course. So looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in Detroit as well as over down in the Queen City of Cincinnati as it is the Reds opening day as the Reds and the Mariners tie to a 5-5 draw today. They'll play the Mariners on Thursday. Uh, they'll play the Mar They're done with spring training. They'll now hit the road and come to Cincinnati for opening day Thursday, 4-10 first pitch as they will take on the St. Louis Cardinals for that affair. And, of course, like I mentioned before, the, the Cleveland Indians. The Indians will play, play the uh, game today against the Kansas City Royals, lost 5-4. They'll play tomorrow against Arizona, a 341st pitch. As it will be, they'll take on the Diamondbacks at 3:40 before hitting the road to come to Detroit for a 1:10 first pitch at Comerica Park. Some news and notes to pass along to you guys today, of course, as it is uh, Felix Hernandez has opted off of his contract with the Baltimore Orioles. King Felix is looking for a new team, of course. Uh, it's also going to be going to be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Judge. He is okay after a sickness. It will be Wilson will go to the the IL for the New York Yankees. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And Steven Strasburg says that he is ready to go for the first season. And uh. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. The Rangers are going to lose reliever uh, uh, Lendrick to a Tommy John surgery even before the season starts. 
the contract negotiations for Anthony Rizzo have stalled. So now he's going to be focused. They're going to burn those and back table those to the off season. So that's going to be interesting. So it is now time. I know I should wait till Tuesday to do it, but you know what? I feel like giving you an, a special Easter present for you guys. And it's time for my MLB predictions. We're going to go through the National League first, and then you'll hear the American League as well. I think it's going to be an interesting year in baseball after a shortened season last year. We're playing all 80, uh, 162 games this year, and I think it's going to be an interesting run this year, in the, especially in the National League and the, Ameri and, and the American League as well. Some good fashion games for you guys. So here it is. Here is how I feel my predictions for this 2021 Major League Baseball season. We'll start with the National League, the senior circuit, and we'll start off in the East. And I think the team to win it all in the East is going – well, actually, I'll start from the bottom up. I think the Marlins will be in fifth. I think the Philadelphia Phillies will be in fourth. They'll get to eight at 500 at 81 and 81. Third, I have the Washington Nationals. Second, I have the New York Mets. I think the Mets are really improved, especially with Frankie Lindor now in their lineup. I think they get a wild card spot. I think they will get the wild card position. And in the East, to win the whole East, I have the Atlanta Braves at 91 and 71 this year. That will get them to win the division. Now in the West, clearly, clearly there is one front runner, and that is a team that we'll get to here in just a second. But I have Colorado in fifth, San Francisco in fourth, Arizona in third. I have the Padres getting the second overall wild card spot. They'll get the number one overall in the wild card. I think it will be the dot the Dodgers to win the division. They're going to win 100 games this year. I think they're going to be 102 and 60, in my opinion. 162 game season. I think they'll win 102 games this year. I have 102 and 60 for the Dodgers this year. Great pitching. They're the defending champions. I think that they can really hammer the ball out of the ballpark. I have the Dodgers with 100 wins this year. And then in the Central, I have Milwaukee. In first at 86 and 79, I have St. Louis at second. Uh, I have our Reds at third place at 75 and 87. I think that looks like a record that they can honestly do. I have the Cubs in fourth. I think they're going to backpedal a little bit, and I think they'll get to 73 and 89 this year. And then in fifth, I have the Pittsburgh Pirates. So again, to recap, the West Dodgers. Padres, Diamondbacks, Giants, Rockies, East, Braves, Mets, Nationals, Phillies, Marlins, Central, Brewers, Cardinals, Reds, Cubs, Pirates. Now we go to the American League. We'll start in the West. I have the Texas Rangers in fifth, S Seattle in fourth. I think Houston goes to third this year. I think the Angels get a wild card spot, and I think that they're improved a little bit, and I have them in second. But I think the A's are a good team. I think they get to 89 and 73, and I have the A's winning the West. In the East, it is clear as day. I think the New York Yankees are still the dominant horse in that in that division at 
98 and 64. They'll win the division, but I have Baltimore in last, Boston in fourth, Tampa in third, Toronto in second, getting the other wild card position, and the Yankees at 98 and 64 winning the division. Now we get to the Central. It is a rebuilding year for the Detroit Tigers. Yet again, they will continue to rebuild. I think they get to, honestly, unfortunately, they'll get to a 64-98 record this year. I have Detroit at 64-98 and in fifth spot. I have Minnesota in fourth. I don't really think they really improved all that much. Cleveland in third. I think they get to 81 wins this year, but they do not get a wild card spot. I think 81-81 looks good for them. I have Kansas City in second, and I have the Chicago White Sox in the top spot at 95-67, and winning the division this year. So again, to recap, the American League in the West is Oakland to win the division, LA, the Angels of Anaheim to get the Wild, get a wild card bid. Houston in third. Seattle in fourth. And Texas in fifth. In the east, I have the Yankees, then the Blue Jays, then the Rays, then the Red Sox, and then the Orioles in fifth in last place. And then in the central, I have the Tigers finishing in last, the Twins in fourth, the Indians in third, Kansas City in second, and the White Sox in first. So now let's break down the playoff situation for yours, truly. Wild cards are two playing wild card teams will play against each other in the first round of the wild card spot. Toronto, I think, gets the upper hand over the Angels of Anaheim. I have Toronto over LA. And then in the National League, I have the Mets edging out San Diego and beating the Padres in San Diego. The division race looks like this. I have the White Sox over the Blue Jays, the Yankees over the A's. In the National League, in the Senior Circuit, I have the Dodgers over the, Yank, over the Mets and Atlanta over Milwaukee. In the Championship Series, I have the New York Yankees over the Chicago White Sox. And I have the Dodgers over the Atlanta Braves, which sets up the World Series as it will be the defending champions. Still defending the Commissioner's Trophy as they will defeat the New York Yankees in the Fall Classic. So again, to recap for you, wildcard teams are Toronto and L.A. In the, in the American League, I have Toronto over L.A. In the division, I have the White Sox over Toronto, the Yankees over the A's, and the Yankees beating the White Sox to get to the to the uh, Fall Classic. In the Senior Circuit, I have the Mets over the Padres. In the Wild Card Game, the Dodgers over the Mets. Atlanta over Milwaukee. For the championship, I have the Dodgers over Atlanta. And then for the World Series between the Dodgers and the Yankees, I have the Dodgers repeating as champions over the New York Yankees. So... That's the baseball prediction for you guys here. I hope you enjoy opening day. We'll be talking a lot about baseball. Of course, starting this week, we are doing two podcasts. Of course, we'll have Lucas on on Tuesday, on tomorrow's show, breaking down everything about baseball, getting you set for opening day as it is just a few days away. Can't believe baseball is around the corner right here 
on the All Andy Elford Network. So you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the podcast. And now we've hit the end of the program tonight, and it's time now for Andy Rants. So tonight on Andy Rants, of course, uh, not much of a rant since I ranted a lot about the Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, I think uh, the season is basically done for the Jackets because of how they played against Detroit. We're now headed into the, the death tornado of, of Tampa, Florida, and Tampa again, and then Chicago. Yeah, this season looks like it's going to be a wash. So, I mean, I am getting ready for golf season. Yes, I want some new golf balls. Um, um, looking forward to maybe heading the links probably in the next few weeks. Maybe go to the, at least to the driving range to get myself loosened up and get the rust off. I enjoy golf. We're going to be covering a lot of golf right here on All Andy Offer with the Marathon Classic in July and, of course, the Solheim Cup in August. So it's going to be a full coverage of all things golf right here on the All Andy Alford Network. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts every Tuesday and now every every Monday and or whenever the Jackets aren't playing. And so it'll be Monday or Tuesday and any and during the weekend on Friday right here on All Andy Alford. But we'll have our special MLB show tomorrow night, Tate. It'll be posted on Wednesday for the start of the MLB season. Looking forward to discussions with Lucas tomorrow night right here on All Andy Alfred. So, and he's one of my golfing partners. I'm looking forward to hitting the links with Lucas this year as well. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, Andy Rants, like I said, not much of a rant tonight, of course. Because of that, uh, give you a score update really quickly. Um, let's see here. The score update right now from Indianapolis. Looks like it is Houston still on top right now of Oregon State. By a score of, here it is right here. Yeah, they're up right now on Oregon State right now. 58-55. That's with only two minutes left to go in the game. Oregon State battling back. So I want to see how this ball game is going to end. So we'll end the podcast on that note. So, until I talk to you guys later on this week, I am Andy Elford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. A game of life. God, Jackets, keep your stick on the yikes. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets. Even though this season's pretty much done. Go Reds. Let's go Reds. Let's go Tigers. Go Tribe. And let's go Hens. By the way, big win today for Joey Logano in the first dirt race at Bristol Motor Speedway. First dirt race in 45 years. Congratulations to Joey. And go Falcons. Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys later this week.
for another edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. Love you, babe. I'll talk to you guys later this week.